This is The Blueprint, brought to you by Executive Platforms. Well, hello again, everyone. You're listening to another episode of Executive Platforms Blueprint Podcast Series. My name is Jeff Mix. I'm Head of Content and Research. My guest today is William Sunblood of Odin Technologies. Um, some of you who have been listening to the podcast for a while may remember we had a fantastic conversation about a year ago. We did that one virtually, so I'm so excited to have uh, Willem actually in the same room as me this time. Willem, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you, Jeff. Great to be in person. So why don't we start off with, I think, the burning question a lot of people have about digital transformation. How do I actually get ROI out of this? So many people struggle to make their transformations work, to do what they hope to do from it. And uh, I understand you've actually had a couple of conversations on site in a workshop format and a roundtable discussion format about exactly that. What are some of the points that you're getting them? So I think when it comes to ROI, in my session here, one of the things that I highlighted was, and I think this is research from LNS, that I think there was about 81% of manufacturers have you know, dabbled in analytics. 71% thinks it's really important. 37 have scaled you know, beyond just the first use case, but only 16% have actually seen any value. That's atrocious. Like, there shouldn't be that many companies peddling analytics if only 16% are actually getting value. So it's very important as a vendor in the space that we provide consistent and sustained value because otherwise we're going to lose customers. So I'm not saying that we have the perfect playbook for it, but we have some clear milestones that we just have to achieve even before engaging because otherwise we might not be trying to solve the right problem. And I think some people might be more enamored with what the technology could do so it's more about a hammer looking for a nail instead of looking at what are the most acute problems and is this the right tool for that job, then let's apply it with full force. So we typically start with, you know, is the problem among the top three for the CEO and COO? If that's the case, do we have an alignment on, you know, what the use case is that's going to move the needle on that problem? Is the data available that allows us to achieve the outcome? And are the people engaged to actually take advantage of it? Um, I think that's the way you have to approach it. And I think today what we're seeing from a lot of customers is that the problem really comes down to increasing capacity and workforce challenges. And I think we're seeing both of those at all of our customers. So let's say that it is increase capacity. You can look at it as adherence or improvement. You either don't have the adherence of people running the process as good as it can be. You have a huge variance between different operators, different lines, different products on, you know, are they actually achieving their targets? Are the targets right? Or we're looking at significant improvements that you have adherence, but the process could be run a lot more efficiently. Now, analytics is going to look differently depending on those use cases. And the persona is going to be quite different. Where we see a lot of success is with operations folks on the adherence piece. Because typically, you have so much low-hanging fruit there where operators, you know, there is a tremendous difference in performance, sometimes based on tenure within the company. So how can we help new people come into the operations team or as operators and behave as the top performers 
as fast as possible. Because that's going to have a huge impact on their retention, because they're doing great at their jobs. It's going to have a huge impact on the actual you know, performance of the business. When it comes to the improvement piece, things that are really interesting, which is a you know, tangible example of where advanced analytics and machine learning can really provide value is on predictive quality. And people often think of predictive quality as a way to prevent quality issues, but it's not necessarily that, because oftentimes the cost of a failure is so high that everyone runs things very conservatively. And you're leaving opportunity cost and how efficient you could run the process because the cost of a failure is bigger than that opportunity cost. But if you can predict the quality in real time and you can model the process so you know how I need to tweak the different variables in order to maintain that quality as I'm increasing speed, you've just changed the risk of actually tuning the process in real time and you've given operators a lot more control of their performance. And we've seen people increase output with you know, five to 10% very quickly just by giving operators that new tool that they didn't have before. You know, you explain it so well, and it seems a, a very clear and logical way to approach these problems and, and actually get the ROI. So I do want to circle back just for a second. If it is, you know, as you say, like be mindful, actually put in the time and think about what you're doing and, and hit those targets. Why are 83, 84% of companies not getting the ROI that they're looking for? I think there's a difference also in terms of, you know, what the people that are looking at it today versus the people that may have been looking at it in the past. I think in the past, it was more of a shiny object that people wanted to try. And maybe the technology wasn't completely mature or they weren't focused enough on the use cases. Today, you have a couple of acute challenges in the industry. You have incredible supply chain disruptions on automation equipment, new machinery, new lines. Um, that means that if a company wants to increase their capacity because they have skyrocketing demand, you see that in packaging industry, anything that services the food industry or the construction industry, typically, you know, they would add more lines, buy more factories. That has a lead time of 18 to 24 months, but the demand is right now. Analytics provided accurately can provide you that relief within three to six months. So it has changed the game in terms of this is the only tool that can get you that type of payback or that type of impact within the time frame that you're looking for. The other one that is also happening a lot is uh, disruptions on the supply side of materials. Especially a lot of people are struggling because they can't get enough material that they need. So they have to increase the amount of recycled material in their process. That's great because that actually just falls into, you know, sustainability goals that they want to hit anyways. But if you increase the amount of recycled material in your process, you have to change the process in order to get the same output. It's not going to behave the same. So applying analytics to that is also a great use case that we've proven that we can increase or stabilize and increase output with, re with more recycled material is something that more and more are looking for. So I think the technology has matured, the use cases have become a lot clearer, and the alternatives have gone away due to economics and supply chain reasons right now. I would love to expand on that because I, I think you're exactly right. There are a lot of good solutions out there that do things slightly differently. 
if I'm a manufacturing executive and, and yes, now is the time the technology has matured and I have a burning need to figure out some of these problems, what should I be keeping in mind as I weigh the pros and cons of the different options? I think a key thing to look at when you're weighing the options of what's available for you to solve these problems is to find a partner that obviously has a long-term view, wants to work with you, you know, for years and years to come where your interests are aligned, but also that they are fit for your industry. Because I've seen that you can, it's very hard to take a horizontal approach to analytics across the entire industrial domain without making it very expensive or time consuming to get value. If you want to get value quickly, you need to work with someone who has credibility in that industry with that domain because the data behaves very differently if you're a you know oil and gas company if you're a batch continuous company or if you're helping to print circuit boards the data behaves very differently the problem is different and so the data model and the tools from the partners are going to be different so go with the ones that have the most relevant reference customers to the problem that you're solving so again, thinking of myself as a manufacturing executive, and I'll, I'll let you pick which industry, but right now we're speaking sort of broadly. In a granular sense, I am interested in vetting the uh, solutions available to me. What are some of the questions I should be asking? So I think where we've seen other companies trip up is, and we work predominantly in the plastics, paper and pulp, pulp and chemicals industry. Um, where we've seen other vendors who may not have experience in those industries trip themselves up is where they can't really handle the data challenges that exists in those industries. Um, I heard of an example where the vendor couldn't handle 20,000 data points per day. We handle 2 million per line per day. And so if your requirements of how you built the solution was fit for an industry that there were 10,000 was appropriate, can be very difficult to work in a more continuous environment with a much larger you know, data footprint requirement. Another good example that I think is important is how they handle the garbage in, garbage out question of data accuracy. Because when you integrate OT data sources with IT data sources, there's a very high likelihood that things will be inaccurate, especially if it comes from manual entry. So how are they going to solve that problem? The thing that we're investing in a lot in is called data enrichment, where we use machine learning inference models to actually correct those inaccuracies, which both relieves the need for manual entry from the operators, making it easier for them, but also increases the accuracy of the data. And you end up with a more labeled and structured data set where analytics becomes a lot easier. Because otherwise, you haven't really solved the outcome that you're looking for. So far, we've been talking about this from the perspective of a manufacturing executive looking to which tool he should invest in or she should invest in. Uh, I would also be curious about talking about it from the operator's perspective, because the person vetting the tool probably understands some of the data science behind what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. The operator, the idea is that they don't necessarily need that knowledge. They need to know what to do with the answers the machine is giving. Mm -hmm. So can you speak to usability? Can you speak to how it changes the work people are doing on the floor? So I think the important thing to consider for operators is that that's where the rubber meets the road. Unless they make changes, you won't expect a difference in outcome. So the, for the operators, the data needs to make sense, meaning that it needs to be presented in a format that they can 
accept and that the values are values that they you know, know and use in how they're thinking. A tangible example is the data from one system might show up as feet per minute instead of pounds per hour, but the operator only cares about pounds per hour. You have to convert that and make sure that it's presented in the way that makes sense to them. You also have to make sure that you're not overloading them with information that isn't useful for them. Because at the end of the day, if they don't see value from the product, they will not use it. If they don't trust it, they will not use it. It is very easy for them to go back to the way that they've been doing things. They have clearly been making products for years and years. So there needs to be a gain for them. And that might be in the real-time decision guidance of, I'm setting up this product. This is how it went last time I ran it. Or these are my new targets. This is, you know, I'm seeing that the predictive quality is starting to go in the wrong direction. This is my next best action to stabilize it. Because if the operator is not gaining anything themselves, you're not going to get any engagement from them and you're not going to get any new actions. You know, Willem, it's always such a pleasure talking to you about this. I think you're one of the best communicators on this topic. And I appreciate we've only got so much time with you today. Um, I want to make sure that anybody who's been listening to this and wants to pick your brain or use you as a sounding board has a way to reach out to Odin Technologies. What is the best way for them to get in touch? So please visit our website, odin.io. They can also reach out to me directly at willem at odin.io. That's the easiest way. Well, I encourage everyone to check out that website and uh, also reach out to Willem directly. I I've spoken to him a few times now, and I am just blown away with how he can communicate really complicated, interesting things in a way that I can repeat to others. And I think that's such a, a valuable gift and something that you'll probably have to do in your working lives when you use these tools. So, Willem, thank you again so much for your time today. Thank you for the kind words, and thank you for having me, Jeff. You've been listening to another episode of Executive Platform's Blueprint podcast series. I've been Jeff Mix. Let's do it again soon. 